of us all, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sand. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he, has blind, that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go into the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again now how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I wash, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, Why do you say about him? Because, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And he said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees we do not know. Or who opened his eyes we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that, now, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you do not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? They, then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. 
yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear the sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Tuba, and the readings are still sort of surrounding or talking a little bit about <coughs> or having something to do with uh, baptism because we celebrated the feast of Theophany a few, a few weeks ago. And today, the gospel of the man born blind is uh, read, I think, most famously. We read this during, uh, during Lent, it's read on the last Sunday of Lent, and actually, traditionally. Many people are baptized on the last Sunday of Lent before hearing this gospel. And actually the reason that this gospel is read this day and this time is like I said before, it's a symbol of baptism. The man not being able to see represents sort of spiritual blindness. Uh, and this blindness was from birth, just like our spiritual blindness begins from the moment we are conceived. And when we are made able to see, or we are made able to see, when we are instructed by God to bathe in the healing waters of baptism, just like this man washed in the pool of Siloam. And I know we usually we spend time spending uh, a few minutes meditating on the gospel that we just read, but today I wanted to talk a little bit about the feast that we celebrated yesterday, the feast of one of the saints, one of the greatest saints of the church. So instead of meditating on the gospel that we read this morning, we're going to speak a little bit about the life of Saint Anthony. We celebrated, the church celebrates his departure yesterday. It's beneficial in general for us as Orthodox Christians to read about the saints, to hear sermons about the saints, to become familiar with the lives of the saints, because the saints are an inspiration and a guidance to us. We emulate their virtues. We try to copy them. You know, St. Paul, like he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We learn from the lives that they lived. We become connected to them and we relate to their struggles and we look up to sort of how by God's grace they were able to be overcome those things. For those of you maybe not familiar with the story of St. Anthony or his, his life events, St. Anthony was born in uh, the 3rd century in about 251 in Egypt to Christian parents that departed or passed away when he was still pretty young. And he heard the words of the gospel, if you're going to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And he immediately, those words pierced his heart. And he put those words into action. He distributed his money to the poor, and he sort of tried to leave the world, and he departed into the desert. And he experienced many temptations continually for a span of like 20 years. And he had 
many ascetic struggles and the report of his deeds and all his virtues and the good things that he was doing uh, started to become famous and so like he became uh, a leader of people who were trying to do things like him. When Christians were persecuted and put to death in uh, under the reign of this emperor, Emperor Maximianus, he went down into the city to, to aid them, to console them. When the church was troubled by the heresy of the Arians, he went down again to Egypt, to Alexandria, and he, and he sort of exhorted the people and reminded the people of the true faith. St. Anthony, he started his, his ascetic life in a small village in Upper Egypt, and he had, there was a few people, you know, one of the titles that the church calls St. Anthony is the father of the monks. But he is not the first person who ever went out into the desert to, to sort of live a life of solitude. So he went into the, into the wilderness and he saw there was other people living this way. And he wanted to, he would like go to each one of them and try to gain from them the virtues that they had. And, and actually the life of St. Anthony, the biography of St. Anthony is written by St. Athanasius, the apostolic. And St. Athanasius says he went to go to all these people to get their virtues and to learn from them until actually eventually he surpassed them all in all of these virtues. And, and later on in his spiritual struggle, he decided or he needed to, he wanted to increase his efforts. So then he departed further into the desert and he found sort of like an abandoned area in a mountain and he made that his dwelling place. And he trained himself in extreme fasting, in unceasing prayers, in conflicts with demons. And he remained there, like I said, for about 20 years. St. Ignatius, when he's writing about him, and he knew him personally, by the way, says that he came forth from that fortress, from the place that he was praying, initiated in the mysteries and filled with the Spirit of God. And so then after that, because of uh, the people who were depriving him of his solitude, you know, he got to be a little bit famous and people started coming to him. He was uh, told by God or instructed by God to go to journey into further into the desert to certain Bedouins until he came into a mountain where he spent the rest of his life, which is actually where the monastery of St. Anthony in the Red Sea is in present day. St. Anthony had many, many virtues that we could talk about, many aspects of his life that it would be good for us to emulate or to imitate. One of them that I think differentiates him from the, the thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of, of monks and holy people throughout history was that he was a pioneer, leading and establishing a way that no one knew before. You know, I said that he was not the first person to go into the desert. But in a, in a, in a certain way, he did bring a new way of living. People today, when you talk about the monastic life, they say that the monastic life are people who are earthly angels or heavenly humans. And he walked alone in this way. Today, you know, when somebody enters or wants to be a monk, they have a father of confession, they have a spiritual guide, they have the walls of the monastery. St. Anthony didn't have any of those things. He didn't have anyone to turn to. He didn't even have a church. He would go to the church to pray. He relied solely on God. This virtue is one of the most difficult to attain. To put yourself out on a limb and do something that no one else is doing. That's not something that is easy to do. It takes great faith, takes great perseverance. As we're reading and learning and meditating on the life of St. Anthony, what I don't want you to think, what I would be sad if you came away with is saying, this man was a monk and he dedicated his whole life to God. I can't do that, so this doesn't apply to me. We need to find ways that this applies to us. To put myself out on a limb and do something that no one else is doing, 
is something that I should strive for. God calls us to be pioneering in our lives today, to walk a path as Christians that not many other people are walking. And St. Anthony did that. He didn't become a monk to run away from the world, but he wanted to rise above sort of the worldly things, above titles, above positions, above money, above power. He established sort of a new way for people, a way of solitude, a way of meditation, a life of prayer. He realized very quickly that the world was nothing and meaningless. And so he would lose nothing if he left it. This is an important point. You know, there are other people in the Bible who realized the world was nothing, but they didn't leave the world. Solomon, for example, Solomon the prophet, he says in Ecclesiastes, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But he didn't leave the world. St. Paul, he said, I also count all things as loss and rubbish that I may gain Christ. But still he, did, he stayed in the world. But at least he didn't stay in the vanity of the world like Solomon. Solomon talked about the vanity of the world, but he lived as a king. St. Paul realized the vanity of the world and lived the life of shepherding and spiritual service. And St. Anthony realized the vanity of the world and said, I will leave the world. So you can see there are many different ways for us to recognize the vanity of the world and to react. St. Anthony began, like I said, he was a pioneer, a completely different service, the service of angels, of praising God incessantly. We learn also from St. Anthony uh, the, the concept or the idea that it is not really incumbent only on the clergy for us to, to make great strides within the church. You know, St. Anthony, uh, we know for sure he was never like a bishop or anything like that, and actually most likely was not even a priest. He was just a person went into the desert. Just a layman, a regular person. And so I, I shouldn't feel like I should be uh, encumbered by titles. If I want to follow God, if I want to do what's right, if I want to do the right thing, I can do it. I can follow God no matter what situation or what matter life station that I might be. St. Anthony also, he had uh, fearlessness about him. We talk about him as an example of asceticism, an example of prayers and fasting. But he also has... Uh, the virtue of fearlessness. The devils literally would come to him and surround him. The attacks that St. Anthony endured from the devils are famous. Actually, if you go home and you Google image search the temptations of St. Anthony, you see lots of really interesting artwork depicting the struggles of St. Anthony in his life. But despite all of this, he was never afraid. One time when, they, when the devils came to him, he said to them, If God has given you power over me, who am I to resist him? If God does not give you power over me, then none of you can hurt me. Can you imagine the simplicity and strength and fearlessness here? He's saying, you know what? If God has given you the authority to do something to me, there's nothing I can do. And if God is against you, there is nothing you can do to me. His fearlessness reached even... The highest levels, he used to say to his disciples, I no longer fear God, but I love Him, for love casts out fear. Not meaning that he wasn't aware or in awe of God who is Almighty, but he's fulfilling the words of St. John in his epistle. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Even though he lived a life of solitude, people began to hear about him, like I was saying earlier, and became impressed by his life. How can someone living in isolation, living in the mountains, living in the harsh desert, seeing no one for many, many years, 
and still attract people to him. They wanted to look like him. That's why we don't call St. Anthony just the father of monks, but the father of monastic life itself. All of the traditional churches, not even just the Coptic church, recognizes monasticism, or that the, all the churches that recognize monasticism consider St. Anthony their, their pioneer. When you speak to any well-read, even, even a Catholic person or any Orthodox person, they'll know about St. Anthony. And St. Anthony was sort of the true realization of the promise given by our Lord Jesus Christ, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. You know, in the life of St. Anthony, it says that he left about 300 acres. He donated about 300 acres in his life. Think about now how many thousands of acres take up monasteries around the world built in his name. He gave up family life. He didn't have children. And now, people who consider him his spiritual father, who are his spiritual sons and daughters, are probably the thousands or even ten thousands in every generation. If we can meditate and imagine St. Anthony entering the heaven, the kingdom on the last day, coming in thousands or even millions behind him saying, I'm here with the children that God has given me. He gave up, for example, any possible position that he could have had as his father was sort of uh, kind of a powerful and well-known person. But St. Anthony became known not just in Egypt, but throughout the whole world. Actually, the emperor Constantine himself wrote St. Anthony a letter asking for his blessings and a word of benefit. So he neglected all positions, all titles, even like I said before, the priesthood itself. He was never ordained a bishop, he was never ordained a priest. Actually, it's not even mentioned that he was a reader or a chanter, but, but the Pope, St. Athanasius himself, would visit him and ask his blessings. So, the point here, or, or what I can take, this, what does this mean for my life? I should be eager to give up things for God's sake. God's not going to forget that for me. God's going to bless those things for me, and much, much, much more. More than I can possibly imagine. In the life of St. Anthony, St. Athanasius, the, 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 the person who we look at as like sort of the pillar of faith and the pillar of orthodoxy, he, he talks about how it was a blessing for him to wash his hands and his feet. When, when St. Athanasius was, was tired and, and troubled from the battles of the heresies uh, with the Arians, he would come to St. Anthony for spiritual guidance, for recharging, so that he could have strength to continue his struggle. That's why actually when I said that St. Anthony went to Alexandria, it's because he was asked to go to, Saint, to Alexandria so that he could help strengthen the people in the faith. And the way he did it was in such a simple enough way for him to tell them that the Father was equal to the Son in essence. And because the word was simple but was supported by His holiness of life, people believed. You can imagine his words having the same presence as St. John the Evangelist when he says just very simple words. St. John would just say, love one another. Love one another. And it had a profound effect on the listeners. So it teaches us another virtue, another thing in the life of St. Anthony. I do not need to have amazing words. I do not need to have, like, be very eloquent. But a life of holiness can be inspirational to those around me. That's what we should be aiming for. There are many books written by people about theology, 
about spirituality, about preaching. There are many spiritual songs, there are lots of poems, meetings, Bible studies. All these things are, are great things. But none of these are going to have the same effect that a life of holiness and a life of unity with God does. Like I was saying earlier, the beauty, one of the beauties of the movement that St. Anthony formed was that it was a movement of the laity, the people. He was just an average person seeking to live a life of virtue. Our impression of monasticism sometimes is very different because many of the monks that are in the monastery for a long time, they become priests and maybe some of them become bishops. But this was not always the case in the history of the church. You know, for example, St. Bechomius, one of the monks, famous monks, and one of the disciples of St. Anthony, was at one point the spiritual guide over nine monasteries, and he wasn't even a priest. For that reason, we can look at St. Anthony not as someone, as a far-removed figure, but somebody who is just like us. He was able to change the desert into a heavenly Jerusalem. The desert, usually a symbol of wildness, of the strength of the devil. But that's why like in the glorification that we say of St. Anthony, we say he consecrated the desert. He made it into a place of holiness. And I know, of course, the vast majority of us will never become monks or nuns. But we have the opportunity to do the same thing. God understands. I have, I have children. I have jobs. We have mortgages. But He's looking for you to convert the desert of our lives into a paradise. To convert our small sphere from something that the devil has control over, something that the devil influences, into a sort of heaven on earth. One of the other beautiful things about St. Anthony is his heart was open to the word of God. It means he would hear God's word, put it in his heart, and then do it. I mentioned in the beginning the famous verse that called him to this monastic life. If you want to go be perfect, go, sell what you have, give to the poor, you know, treasure in heaven, come and follow me. That influenced him to leave his wealth. There is a rich young man in the gospel who heard those same words from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ himself and went away sorrowful. St. Anthony would, would learn not even just from just the Bible, but from events happening around him. When his father died, he was about 18 years old when his father died, he saw his father in the casket, and he thought to himself, you know, where is your power? Where is your wealth? Where is your authority that you had in your life? They're all gone. You left the world unwillingly. But I want to leave the world willingly, before it forces me out. And that event in his life affected him very much. Many, many times, often, we unfortunately trivialize the saints. Our knowledge of them is sort of superficial. In martyrs, for example, we focus on how they're tortured and what, they're, what they endured. In the monastics, we focus on their life of extreme asceticism. With the saints, we might focus on their miracles. St. Anthony is different. St. Anthony, there are some miracles... That are, that are mentioned from him over the course of his long life. But miracles are not really a large part of his life. And also, although he had a deep desire for martyrdom actually, he was never martyred or tortured for his faith. And yet we see that he is recognized as a saint not only after his death, but even during his life. He died, uh, as the Cynic Star tells us, uh, around 356 AD in the, at about 105 years old. The life of St. Anthony was written two years later. 
Two years after that, it was already translated into Latin. That is amazing, especially if you consider the time period. The Bible itself took almost a hundred years to translate from Greek to Latin. If you look at the life of St. Anthony, the story that maybe some of you might know is that he was rich and he, had, and he was young and his parents died and he was at somewhat of a crossroads. We can reflect here on this moment that there are certain things in life that are really like can transcend time. Something that we pass over sometimes quickly in the life of St. Anthony, but I think is very significant. There are certain scenarios that sort of historically have really high predictable outcomes. Here this scenario is we have a young man who has complete freedom and has tremendous wealth. This combination typically is a recipe for spiritual disaster. There are no shortages of examples, in, even in our modern life, of people with immense amount of freedom and immense amount of wealth and how they use that for evil. But here we have an exception. A person who was given complete freedom chooses to live or chooses to use his freedom not to pursue vice, but to pursue virtue. When he was given freedom of luxury or being rich, he freely gives this up and gives them away. That alone should be something that makes him remarkable. St. Anthony also was one who was very humble. He learned from everyone around him. Like I was saying in the beginning, when he first started his spiritual struggles, he learned from the elders living in the holy lives in the villages around him. St. Athanasius describes St. Anthony being like, uh, like a bee. That's actually really beautiful imagery. He says a bee goes from flower to flower, sort of getting the nectar from every flower. And St. Anthony is sort of gathering virtues, learning from everyone and everything around him. If there is one attribute that we can think about trying to emulate or copy in the life of St. Anthony, it would be this one. To humble ourselves and to understand that the people around you may have advice or may know something that you do not or may know something that is very valuable to you or can teach you something. We love to offer advice. We love to teach. But to heed advice, to listen, does not come as easily. St. Anthony learned lessons even from people who we might look at as sinners. He knew that no matter who, no matter what vessel or what source, if the teaching was truth and beneficial, then it was from God. It would be good for us to, to keep this example or to keep this sort of mindset in our lives. To understand whatever or whoever or whatever form instruction comes to me, if it is from God, then I should heed it. Whether it be from someone who I respect or someone who I don't respect. Someone who is uh, older than me, someone who is younger than me. Someone who is in a better station of life than I am or someone who is a worse station of life. So I hope that we can consider some of the virtues of St. Anthony. Like I said, his fearlessness, his humility, the fact that he was a layman, and, and, and look at those and ask for his prayers, ask for his blessings, so that God could give us a portion of those virtues in our lives. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.